Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a global original podcast. Welcome to Don't Tell Your Mum, the podcast for dads about everything dad related. My name's Al and that is my mate. Have I got to say, are you not introducing me anymore? No, you you didn't introduce me. You've left me to say my own name nowadays. So when it was my turn, I sort of throw it back to you. To be fair, I'm eating a sandwich. Um, I'm JK. Hi. (laughs) Nice. Nothing more annoying. (laughs) Well, the thing is, right, I'm coming up today. Oh, sorry, I was about to go on a rant straight away. Yeah, you better say who's coming up on the podcast today, and then I'll come back yeah. and do my rant. And then you can rant. Yeah. Coming up today, we've got part two of the hilarious Russell Kane interview. And tonight, and tonight? <laughs> and tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm going to be Al Green. And on the interview, you might just get some answers. It's better than Al Gore. I was, I was trying to think of famous owls then. What are the, what are the famous owls? Um, the song, You Can Call Me Al. <laughs> I don't know that one. Anyway, uh, coming up, it's, it's, it's Russell Kane. And believe it or not, he has the answer to all your sleep problems, as in your child's sleep problems, because he's a guru. Like, you think about Gina Ford? Nah, it's Russell Kane. He has all the answers and a lot of more insight into fatherhood and absolute smashing parenting. So stay tuned for that. And right, if, you, if, to you. if you didn't, um, if you didn't actually listen to part one, which was last week, maybe stop this one, go back and listen to part one, and then listen to part two, of Russell Kane. Will it make more sense? Not really. They're kind of both evergreen, but it's you've just missed out on a brilliant, brilliant interview. Yeah, it's worth it. Definitely. Um, what's my rant? What was it? I've forgotten it. No, it can't have been that bad. <clears throat> oh yeah. So we start recording, and so I've just had that perfect scenario. You know, we've talked about our bread makers. We both got Panasonic bread makers, and believe me, I think we've done it on a JK's got new tech section. Shh, don't tell your mum. And we both agree that this is like the greatest bread maker ever. So I've found some new um, flour. I managed to actually get some flour in lockdown and it's got all like the multi-seeds. It's got seven different multi-seeds. It's like a really healthy flour. And at the moment, I am making the best bread I've ever made. Mmm, multi-seed. I like the sound of that. I did screw up a little bit though because I bought um, six bags thinking that'll do me for like months. But um, again, when you order off the internet, sometimes size is a problem. These bags are just like these little bags. (laughs) I thought I was buying these huge, big bags of flour. I thought, uh, anyway, it came through. (laughs) But yeah, so the perfect timing was the bread had just finished. So it had done its three-hour cycle. And I cut through it. It was still a little bit warm. Charlie's made me a sandwich, which is right in front of me. I've even got the crust, which is the best bit when you make your own bread. And I'm talking to you, so I can't eat it. (laughs) That's literally the story. (laughs) (laughs) Just look at it. Just keep looking at it, JK. It's it's like a ploughman's, but it's... 
It's got tomato and chilli chutney. It's, oh. I'm just... Yeah, it's sitting on, on your plate, Jay, saying, eat me, Jay. Eat me, oh. but not yet. Just save me. Eat me, Jay. Oh, you will be in my mouth <laughs> in a moment when Russell Kane... <laughs> Sounded a bit dodged that. Um, when, when Russell Kane starts talking, this is I'm, I'm literally I shouldn't actually have it in here. This is this is my wife's office as well as mine. So this is a hypnotherapy room. So I'm not supposed to have um, any food in here. But shh, don't tell. Has me. she has she banned food? No, it's not. It's not a a given rule. But it's I think it's expected. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think yeah. I know those I know those kind of rules that are that our wives don't set but set. <laughs> you know them, yeah. <laughs> You get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I'd rather you didn't, meaning if you dare do that, you're going to be in deep shit. <laughs> Your balls will be in the mince meter. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Or is that mincer? <laughs> oh, no, what, anyway, um, <laughs> um, anyway, let's get let's get started with Russell Kane because yes. um, he's better than us. Uh, so so um, here it is. It's Russell Kane talking about um, raising raising kids, um, smashing parenting, and an awful lot of questions answered about how to get your baby and toddler to sleep. I think he had. I think you're here, but I think he get his he had his baby sleeping eight hours a night by eight weeks. There you go, and he he'll tell you how. Don't come back to me, I thought, Miss Sammy. Okay, roll the interview, roll the interview. Roll the interview! So welcome back to Don't Tell Your Mum and a special warm welcome again to Russell Kane. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. Hello, how you doing? Really well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'll do, yeah. I'm much, I'll just record uh, two bits for you. Yeah, I'm much happier now. The situation's looking so much better and can't believe it's going to continue for that many more weeks, can you? There we are. <laughs> Oh, the old version always helps, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, so um, we in the last episode we were talking about your canings and how well they're doing, uh, but also how they're you know they they're not making much money. Yeah, enough to pay the gas bill and maybe the electricity bill. I'm not quite sure about your Apple Plus subscription, but you never know. Let's talk about the book. Um, so we're still waiting the paperback version of the book, but where, where do we stand so far? Yeah, so a few years years ago, about two, three years ago, um, Penguin came to me and was like, how do you feel about doing a memoir? It's something I never, ever wanted to do. Um, I just, I don't have a, enough, all my life's so important, everyone must read about it. I'd write, I don't mind taking the piss out of it and doing stand-up. But I just said, how about I write a book about fatherhood and the nature of fatherhood? So I said, yeah, all right. But of course, the funniest chapters ended up being about my old man. So we threw all that in the bin and I ended up writing a full-on 80,000 words, son of a silverback. It almost took the form of a biography of Dave Kane. So my dad, so the, the span of the story really, it goes, no, not really, it does go from 1941 to 2003. That is the time wow. window of the book. So it tracks from my dad's birth to my dad's death with my mum's story and my story told around it. So I weave me in, into it to make it interesting for readers because no one knows who Dave Kane was. But I thought <laughs> the funniest book would be this alpha male, silverback, knuckle-dragging, steroid-injecting, weight-lifting, doorman, shaven-headed, right-wing nutter, Dave. I thought I want to tell his story from beginning to end and what it was like having sort of a pepper army stick firing glitter in the house like me going, I like theatre, Daddy. I thought that tension was was a story that needed to be told and it's all about class and history and what it's like to be a man and all that stuff. So, yeah, I threw all of that in. Um, what, are, you, are you using any of your father's sort of 
you know, influences to, to, to parent as a dad now? Yes, in that I know exactly what not to do. <laughs> I so, but I've got that annoying thing where I'm not quite good enough for an Oprah, Oprah Winfrey and that there was no abuse, I was never hit, I was never left, I was never neglected. Nothing bad happened. He was just from another era. He yeah. was a Neanderthal sent to parent me and emotionally he was on a different plane. Saying so, he had loads of mantras, I'm paying, I'm saying, take care of number one. If you can't afford it, fuck it off. Life will be shit, boy. You might as well put fucking gloves on. You know, everything was <laughs> negative, 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 negative. Well, if we leave, there will be traffic. The holiday will go wrong. The food will be shit. There will be no parking. That's what my old man was like. So I was... Yeah. I know to try and keep things positive, you know. <laughs> I, I, it's very similar. My, my dad, hey, he, he was a farmer's boy, you know what I mean? He grew up on a farm. I remember we went, our, our one and only holiday was, uh, I think we went to Tenby. We actually lived in Hereford and Worcester, so it was only about, what, an hour drive. We got to a caravan site. We got into the caravan. Dad turned on the TV. He went, fuck this, we're going home. My mum was like, what, what's wrong, Phil? And he's like, fucking TV's in Welsh. We're going home. We literally went home <laughs> five hours later that's we were good. home that's good i'll Only be stealing that brilliant yeah, that's good that's that's the type of thing my old man would have done as well my don't he used to like he was a, he was a bodybuilder as well so he's a huge man and uh, he used to like do things like if we were in the indian restaurant do a chicken audit and count the amounts of lumps of chicken breast and if it was under what he thought was justified he'd say abdul abdul 10 pieces of chicken sort it out mate and send it back <laughs> He was obsessed with curry. I've never known anyone so right wing and so obsessed with Indian food and culture. So very confusing man with like a poppadom in one hand and a BMP manifesto in the other. Is that that legacy about being positive? That's something that you now want to put to give to your kids as well, right? I try. So, I, try. Yeah. I, feel, I feel myself doing a kind of oh no, work's coming in. I'm fucked. This is the year we go back. I feel. I feel myself. I mean, if the script's put into you, there's only so much you can do the best sometimes you can do is catch yourself repeating the script and give yourself a slap on the wrist and try harder tomorrow which to mm. be honest is what happens sometimes as it does with all of us we're just a product of our in- environment um but mostly i mean there's definitely things to do with how i live my life now for example people are allowed to stay the doors are always open Lindsay's parents live 15 minutes from us they still back in the normal days stay at least once a week now that's just completely foreign to my childhood no one's allowed to stay he had to be planned no mess could be made nothing in the spare room please i had to beg if i wanted a friend to sleep over uh, because the chaos the mess you know it needs to be done in advance don't let people take the piss out of you don't let people in your space keep everything closed off my mum and dad had a lock on their bedroom door when even when it's just the four of us in locked from the outside so my bedroom door's open there's always someone in the fucking spare room there's always a bit of washing out there's always, i'll come down i'm living up in cheshire now with the northern family I'll come downstairs. There'll be some fucker in the kitchen I've never met. Hi, I'm Lindsay's uncle Barry. Do you want any toast? I help myself. Is that all right? Like it's the, it's the opposite of my childhood, and I think I like that. You know, family and people coming through, and there's always, you know, if there's a barbecue, let's make it in our garden. Things like that are the yeah. opposite of my childhood. Here's a quick one then. So let, let's say, what what do you think your father's proudest sort of moment would have been compared to your proudest moment as a father? Weird question, but what? what, what do you as mean? a father, or as in his own achievements? As a father, 
Well, one of the weirdest things, and I've spoken about this on stage, but it's completely true, was that my old man just struggled to, for anything positive to come out of his mouth. I don't know why. He was obviously a broken individual himself, and I go into the book about maybe why, because his childhood was about as hard as you can get. Um, but my mum always used to say, say like, I, no one in my, I've got 17 cousins, right? My mum's got five um, siblings, and I'm the only one to get an A-level. Right. Not a degree, an A-level, right? We are not an academic family, let alone going mm. on to get a first in English like I did. So my mum my sort of took me aside and went, you've got to understand your daddy's very proud of you in private. As she was always, uh, which always sort of conjures oh. up the image of me going, I've got a first-class honours degree. I'll be in a shed if you need me, boy. She <laughs> uh, was down the pub, apparently, at the bar going, oh, my boy's only gone and got a fucking degree. How about that, Gary? Like, But couldn't say it to me. Yeah. So I would, I would have thought it was either A, because he never saw me do stand-up, I would have thought it was either A, me being academically successful, but he lived long enough, he lived two years after I graduated, and I was the first person in my family, in our street, in our postcode, to get a job where you're paid to think your brain is being used. I was a copywriter in an advertising agency, so far beyond the world of cleaning and lagging and building and roofing yeah. or signing on or disability benefit, which is what, that's what my family is, um, to be sitting on like a pink cube in a brainstorm in a glass room, thinking up strap lines for Whiskers Cafe. It's like another world. It's like I've gone to another planet. So I think he must have been buzzing for that. He must have been, but would he have said it? Would he fuck? I think oh. his only his only comment was that I bet the commute's a right pain in the fucking ass, isn't it? Wouldn't get me on the tube. <laughs> Wouldn't get me on the tube. In fact, he then went, I was on the tube and someone touched my ass, nearly knocked the cunt out. That was it. That was, <laughs> that was his whole review of my new life. And and where you are now, what is what is your most proudest parenting moment? Oh, well, she's very little, so she's at the moment she's very. She's four, isn't she? She's. Uh, so those those of you that have got two kids will know you tend to get one angel dribbling, amuse itself, play with the blocks, happy child, and then you get one head spinning Satan where if holy water touches the forehead, it sizzles. You get one of each. I'm very lucky in that I got the satanic head spinning centre of attention, never tired, bastard one first. Best contraceptive you will ever get is to get the exorcist first. We won't be having a second child. Why would we? There's no way. I don't want a divorce, so we won't, we won't have a second child. So... At the moment, all of that potential and all that creative energy and all the wonderful stuff that Minna's got given for free that most kids don't get is a hindrance to her and to us in our lives because she's just bored from the moment the eyes flick open. Bored, 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 bored. Next, 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 bored, bored. Needs one-to-one the whole time. Can amuse herself for 20-minute stretches before I've got to put a wig on and pretend to be someone. And So all the things that I know are going to make her excel in life, whether she goes on to be an architect, an artist, a performer, whatever she wants to do, they're the things that are an absolute nightmare when you're four and you're still pissing the bed and you live with these two hairy, knackered adults. <laughs> uh, but eventually they're the things that will make her shine. Yeah. But for now, it's, you know, this, her life's tiny. What has she done? I mean, the things I'm, I'm most proud of is the, the sleep through the night. This, this ball of energy comes into our life. And from seven days old, once she'd recovered from being born, that was the only reprise we ever got was when she was tired from having been born. We got five days of peace. Yeah. 
as soon as the eyes woke and she went, I'm sorry, I'm a fucker. And uh, <laughs> I just thought, if I can get that child to sleep through the night, that will be the proudest achievement of her first three years. And I think it was. I took charge of that. And by 12 weeks, boom, we're getting 12 hours sleep. And I'm still dining out on that. That's we, we need to hire you out, people. Yeah, you, you're the sleep whisperer. Yeah, it's the problem is, and it's just blokes here, so I feel like I can get away with saying it, is for, for whatever reason, in our sexist patriarchal society, any girls that are listening, a lot of this shit still falls on women. And it shouldn't because, A, it's not fair, and, B, men have got a lot to give, FYI. We might not be able to grow the baby or feed the baby out of a boob, but as soon as it's here... We're quite good at charts and graphs and all the nerdy shit. I got so into the mathematics of getting the child through the night. I took took over that, and I was lucky. And I had a, a, a wife that was like, "Do you know what? You get a free run of it, a free run at it for a month. If you can solve it, I'll go with whatever you suggest." So I was allowed to use my methods because Lindsay's like me; she loves an, an unbroken night's sleep. Um, whereas you know, some I'm not saying all, but some. People go a bit, do you know what? I want the baby in the bed hanging off my boob while our marriage dies and you masturbate in the spare room. Does that sound fair? <laughs> Not really. No. Fuck that. I was here first. Do one. Um, so what happened was, I'll never forget it. <laughs> me, and, me and Lindsay were, were bobbing in a pool on one of these all-inclusive holidays when the moment we decided, let's do, go for it, we've been married. We've not been married long, about nine months. We said, let's go for it and have a baby. And I said, before that pill packet goes in the bin, there's one thing we have to agree for agree on, sign. I said we printed it out and signed it, and that is our approach to sleep. I'm willing to adapt on anything else, food, diet. We can become vegans in a year. Whatever happens, sleep we must agree on because that's the only thing that I can see that messes up the relationships of yeah. all my friends, their sex lives, their social lives, their happiness. If you get sleep wrong for you as a couple, it's – brutal and let me be clear i'm not saying all all people should have babies through the night i've got we've got some happy couple friends where the babies are all in the bed together and they're all doing broken sleep and they've all got hippie beards and bed sharing and everyone's getting up that's fine if that works for both of you the yeah. problem is when one person is a nazi hitler get them through the night like me and the other one is a you know squirting soy lattes out their boobs and uh, at two in the morning that's that's a problem that's a problem. If someone's having a two in the morning morning baby party in the bed, and the other person wants a, a normal, a more normal life like what it was before a baby, you need to agree on what you're attempting to go for. You might not get there. I have a dream, but you <laughs> yeah. might not, I might not get there with you. No, but you need to you need to have a, a goal. And our goal was eight hours sleep by eight weeks and twelve hours sleep by twelve weeks. My mum worked as a childminder and a nanny. I've read all the Gina Ford books. I know it's possible as long as you are a an absolute nerd about it. It's not for everyone. I don't suggest everyone does it. But if you're both serious about it, it can be done. And and regardless of temperament, as I've proved, my child is high energy, high octane, hard to settle. And we still did it. Do you know, in five years of, of running Dad's Net, I genuinely don't think we've ever had a better piece of advice. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and, yeah, and, yeah. The way, and, and there'll be a lot of people, not, I'm not mean to be sexist, it mostly won't be men. There might be some women listening to this going, well, there's no way, I'm sorry, I'm going to force my child to sleep at night and make it cry. If I could give you a one-line takeout of this method, I can't give you all the charts and techniques. You need to go away and do your own independent reading. 
but it's not about forcing a baby to sleep at night. This is what people don't understand. I've never left my daughter crying. The only time she cries is if there is something medically wrong or she's hungry. That's the only time the baby should be crying at bed. So people are like, well, explain to me this then. My baby's crying at 7 p.m. How does your technique work now? The problem is you what goes wrong in the first eight weeks when you come home from hospital and you're both fucking knackered. You set a two-month pattern that is hard to break. And it's quite a high percentage of babies in the 80 or 90% are born back to front, chronologically speaking, mm. awake at night, asleep during the day. Mm. And the reason for that is so simple when you think about it. What's the quickest way to get a baby to sleep is to rock it in your arms, right? So when a woman is walking around on the seventh, eighth, and ninth month of pregnancy, she's rocking her belly, which is why as soon as you sit down to watch Netflix together at 6 p.m., the thing wakes up and he's kicking all night. Babies kick all night. So he's born kicking all night and sleeping all day. It's your job as a parent, if you want to, so it's your it's your opportunity, should I phrase it, as a parent, to tell that child, sorry, mate, this is daytime. That's nighttime. And the way you do that is not by forcing a baby to sleep at night, but by gradually keeping it awake longer during the day. That's the difference. That means playing with it on, when it's very tiny on the kick mat, um, making sure it's unswaddled, not letting Nana over for a cuddle when you know you want the baby to be awake. Only give the baby to the Nana to cuddle when you know it's due for a 15-minute nap and no longer. Start keeping a chart because they need three naps a day initially. And when it's due to be woken up, gently unswaddle the baby, do some games, use mobiles, use whatever. And if the baby has only had, because medically the baby needs 16 hours sleep a day, if it's only had four hours sleep during the day, it will sleep two hour, 12 hours at night. And some of my friends go, not my baby, it just doesn't sleep. Well, it's a medical fucking miracle then. You've created a human <laughs> being that doesn't sleep. So I go over to the house and what do I see? The baby catnapping on the sofa. It's asleep now. Well, that's not asleep, it just nodded off. Yeah, but that's... <laughs> That's why if you're passionate and believe in getting through the night and there's no reason you have to and I'm not right and you're not wrong, but if you believe it, do not let your baby sleep all day or you will be up all night. It's simple fucking physics. Simple. But that's what happens to us. That's exactly what we used to. Do you remember when you were, like, you were a teenager and you, you, you stayed up till like five in the morning attempting to watch the sunrise, pissed out your face or whatever you did, and yeah. then you couldn't get to sleep the next night? It's exactly. exactly yeah, insane. Off his tits on milk doing that fucking... His eyes rolling like a 90s raver after it's full of milk, like some fucking... On milkman. <laughs> gurning on the mat. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Russell, Russell, what do you say to those people who say, um, and my mum used to say there's a lot of tired baby will never go to sleep? Well, I think overtiredness can is also can be a thing as well if they get into such a state where they where they can't sleep. And that will happen if I mean I know some again, it's really hard to say like I'm saying judge judgy. I'm not judgy, I'm just comparing my experience to some of my other friends, bless them, who look they don't look the same age as me anymore after doing that for five years. Like, yes, okay, it's, you're supposed to have three months of staying up through the night. Your immune system can handle it. Your skin, your hair, you can handle it. You can't tell me it's right for a six or seven-year-old at, at school to still be sleeping at one, two-hour stretches and having broken sleep throughout the night. That can't be health-giving. It just surely that's not right. We're supposed to get at least six, seven, eight hour blocks of sleep. And if a kid gets to a stage where it's so tired because you're doing the kid stays next to me till 11 p.m. doing what it wants on the sofa, when you then take particularly an older child, 18 months, two years upstairs, stimulated from being downstairs, if there's visitors over, nans, uncles, whatever, 
It's a lot to expect that child that's gone past its bedtime is all overstimulated but knackered at the same time to fall straight to sleep. That's when you get a kickoff. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't believe this. I spent so much money on a red lamp, um, some sort of vibrating rocker cot. I bought two of those bloody you and the sleep sheeps for 40 quid a pop. All I had to do was wait till now to speak to Russell Kane yeah. and I would have been absolutely bloody fine. Who knew? The, red light, the red light thing is is a good shout for story time. So when, say, Minas, we, to be honest with you, we've moved the whole routine to from 10 till 10 during lockdown because what's the point? So Mina falls asleep at 10 p.m. and then she only needs 11 hours sleep now because she's a bit older. She waits waking up at 9 a.m. That suits us 10 till 9. Great. We get a little lay in. Um because what's the point in all getting up at seven when there's literally no reason to get up. But when we do story time at 8 p.m., we do only have red lights because there is quite a lot of research that suggests, well, we know blue light's bad for you, but also that human beings back in the day when we evolved, we would have been getting sleepy around sunset. So Mm. any infrared or red light you can put in the room during story time is great. And then obviously as dark as possible during sleeping time. The other, the one other little tip I've got, which you can do on zero budget, you can do it on your next socially distanced supermarket visit or it, or if you're lucky enough to get a delivery slot <laughs> is what people think is a blacked out bedroom makes me laugh my ass off. So be like, but we've got blackout curtains. If I go up to the room at midday, I should not be able to walk safely across that room at midday. <laughs> if I can, your room is not, does not have blackout. And children aren't bought. You, what are you going to do? Babies wake up at 6 a.m. No, they fucking don't. Like if we go on holiday to Australia, your baby doesn't magically know when it's 6 a.m. and adjust its clock. Babies wake up at sunrise. Yes. So what do you do? Cancel fucking sunrise. That's what you do. <laughs> and um, we have got three layers. We've got the inner set black blackout that you pull across. Then we've got a blackout Venetian blind, then blackout curtains, three layers. The, che- <laughs> oh the, cheapy, ver- the cheapy version of that that we do on holiday and that you could do tomorrow providing you've not got massive long posh windows in which case cost won't be an option anyway is tin foil <laughs> is tin foil we spray a little water uh, water mist cut out tin foil the size of the window stick it to the window full blackout kid will not have a clue what 6am is it's like a so we're, the last, we're the last people to the hotel buffet breakfast and we get looks of hate because people <laughs> don't know how we're doing it <laughs> I was going to say, we've got a couple of minutes. I just wanted to ask you um, what your most embarrassing parenting moment has been to date. Um, it, what, I wouldn't say embarrassing in so much as because of my personality. I love it when Mina does something outrageous and then immediately perform it as material. So I'm quite hard to embarrass. Uh, I suppose when they repeat something vile you've said about someone in their presence, that can be that obviously happens all the time. Is that the man who's really rude, Daddy? Um, <laughs> But the weirdest one, I mean, it's a bit, it sounds a bit inappropriate, but I have spoken about it on stage. I can't be the only, and it is a male thing. I can't be the only man that's gone through this. Um, when a, when the baby's very young, obviously she can't, you, you get the baby bath, but you can also, one of the most amazing bonding experiences you can have is like to actually have the baby on your chest in, in the bath. Like women do it 10 a penny, but men are starting to realize we can have, those experiences as well that skin to skin heartbeat to heartbeat shit i did it when she was born it was yeah. magical so minna came out c-section so obviously Lindsay couldn't even hold her when she was born so i had that first bonding I, the top was off i didn't give a shit i was skin to skin my dad would have been turning in his grave um <laughs> so we i thought well, why not continue having all these wonderful experiences women have so we did all the first bath together and then you know every other night i would do minna's bath so there she goes She's, she's, so I'm sat in the bath, my back against the, the bath, and then Minna sat with, with her back on my 
chest and I'm washing her hair. Now, I'm sorry to speak about this, but I know I'm not the only man that's gone through this. If you think about the physics, girls, of what happens next. So the baby's bum is around where my belly button is and her head is against where my Adam's apple is and her back is to, my, to mine. My bits, my nuts and, and tackle floated up on top of the water between my daughter's legs. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. I mean, it's totally innocent, but can you imagine? I've got a two-week-old baby. My emotions are fucked. I'm all over the place. I'm, like, I'm going to prison. Something's happened. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. It looked like someone had stapled an adult cock and bollocks onto my child. It was the worst. It, it really disturbed me for about a week. It, like it really, like really upset me. <laughs> it's the most innocent, stupid thing. Now I can laugh my ass off about it. Oh. So I know there are other men. I know there are other men that's had this experience. Do not suffer in silence. It doesn't mean anything. We're just built with wobbly mitts hanging off us, lads. Nothing we can do. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for, but I'm just wondering, is that how we want to end? Yeah, I think I'm so. Bad place. <laughs> I think so. It on that red flag. Podcast, oh, it? I think that's how we, that's how you end a podcast when you interview Russell Kane. I mean, we've done enough tactical information. We had to finish on a dick joke. That's the rule. <laughs> Oh, Russell, I mean, I genuinely, I have I've not laughed like that for a long, long time. Thank no, you so much. much. My pleasure. We're so messed oh. up as men, like with our, like the women are used to putting their bodies in two categories, the maternal, sexless, functional category, and then the woman category as a sexual being. Whereas men, we're not used to our bodies being a nurturing thing. We, we're, not, we're not taught that it can be, you know, we can be cuddly and in a heartbeat and we don't just have to be warriors or sex things. So you learn the hard way that you can be. And that was how I learned. It's perfectly fine and innocent. But it's just it. your head. That's absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Russell. Honestly, we've loved it, mate. It's oh, been I loved brilliant. It. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, mate. If you would have said to me that you, you're going to get to interview Russell Kane for a good hour and uh, part two, he will end the story and you will say goodbye to him on a story which involves um, his, his his bollocks and and his baby. I, I, I mean, you just, you his, can't write that shit. You know what I mean? His floating balls. Um, honestly. <laughs> like, I've just, got, I've just got this image and I don't want this image, but I have this image in my head now of him in the bath and his, and his genitals just kind of slowly raising to the surface. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think if... I, I can't remember the last time I've had a bath, but I'm trying to think if mine ever do that because I don't think they did. Is he well... He, he must be... <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're all thinking it, Jay, but let's not go there. I mean, that's wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Good going, man. Yeah, Good going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right, um, all right. Well, I mean, ending, ending on that note... <laughs> We should uh, we should probably just remind you that please do uh, download and subscribe and please rate us. Like the reviews that we get on the podcast are great. We love reading them, um, so make sure you do that, please. And uh, and find us on social media at the Dad's Net um, or everywhere. Uh, JK Jason King everywhere I think everywhere um, or you can find um, you can write to us and get a confession in or just come and say hi on dadsnet.com as well. Did you just say you can write to us? Wow, that was like late eighties TV that. <laughs> Well, it didn't mean like a P.O. box. <laughs> that was like Philip Schofield in the broom cupboard. <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to talk. We're not allowed to talk about Philip Schofield in the closet anymore, are we? 
He came out of the broom cupboard. It's all right. It finally went on to this morning. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. No worries. Uh, thank you for listening today. Uh, we're back next week. Don't forget, okay. if you've missed any of the other interviews that we've done, including Justin Timberlake, the Jonas Brothers, uh, Ramesh Ranganathan, Bill Bailey, uh, Paul Whitehouse, and Bob Mortimer. Bob Mortimer. They're all on there. So go, and, go and check them out. Uh, yeah. And make sure you download Global Player as well or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate us. Have a good week. We're back next Wednesday morning. See you then. Well, I'll listen to you then. You'll listen to us then, but I won't see you, but see you then. You know what I'm saying? You mixed it up and it was still awkward. I like it. I like it. <laughs>